I always like feel really intense on the radio because I have big dick TV energy. <laughs> bang, 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 Hello, Zanro. How are you? It's a Jan Fran bang gang. I love it. <laughs> I've only ever been in two of those. Oh, no. <laughs> this is how we begin. Oh, look, we're very excited. And I say we because Miff is with us in spirit. Miff is away. We're kind of ships in the night. I was away for three weeks. And so she's answered that with, um, we had a little reunion last week and then she's pissed off to Thailand. I saw pictures of her both at a fancy villa and then also finding a franchise of Kenny Rogers Roasters, which she made (laughs) fast work of because she's Miff. But she's away um, this week and next week. And stepping in this week to be part of the Bang Fam is Jan Fran. And I didn't realise this when I asked you, but... Everything rhymes and I'm so happy right now. I know. So you should be. I'm so happy to be here as well. It's just a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit and that's why I asked you because we've known each other for many years. Yeah. But you also are someone who has a lot of opinions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you also, as you know, through your daily job as the host of The Feed on SBS Viceland, you need to kind of siphon through the world, make sense of it. And that is what Bang On is all about. It's about the week in music, art, culture, life and stuff. Yeah. And it's a week that particularly I love that we have you because you are, I think, one of only two people and Miff's the other one that I know who's attended a Logie ceremony. Yeah. And it went down last Sunday. You were there on the Gold Coast. Mate, I was there in person on the Gold Coast, <laughs> on the red carpet and in, the in, a, in a beautiful red frock, may I say. It was gorgeous. Can I just, like, spruik myself up for a second here? Well, you did uh, posted quite a few photos on the day. All right, mate. <laughs> Chill out. It's <laughs> not what I meant. Um, but I did make it on Harper's Bazaar's best dress list. Oh, my God. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that's, that's all I want to say. That's fashion. I was fashion. That's a fashion update. There were, that to end all fashion updates. Yeah, that's a strong fashion update. Yeah, my um, the SBS stylist who kind of picks out the clothes was very happy with that. It was a beautiful red frock. It was sort of off the shoulder on one side and then with a big plumy, puffy shoulder on the other. Yeah. It was amazing. Thank you. And felt good. The, I mean, it's... Television's Night of Nights. Yeah. Also one of the weirdest shows to ever watch. And I do love, hate, cringe watch it every year until I get a little bit teddy tired and decide I'll find out who won the Gold Logie tomorrow. Is it as weird in the room as it is when you're watching it on the telly? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's the short answer to that question. What happens? Um, Well, it's um, one, it's... It's really long. Can I just preface by saying I had a great time. I love the Logies. I want to go to the Logies again. But it's so long. Yeah. It's like four and a half hours. You've eaten the chicken. (laughs) You know, the cheese hasn't come out yet. It's like, come on, guys. What's happening? When's the gold Logie going to be announced? But, yeah, there there were were like a few moments where it was a bit cringy. (laughs) It's one of those things where I'm reminded that – I know this is going to sound bitchy, but, and again, I will be responsible because I've never been invited to the log- Logies and I probably never will be. Yeah. I'll be responsible for the burns. You're, you you don't have to burn the Logies. Oh, no, please. I will burn everyone. <laughs> I'll set fire to everything. <laughs> but then I'll go next year again. Yeah, exactly. You've got groveling yeah, back. Exactly. That's my MO. Yeah. It does It does feel like it's a big kind of, it's almost that cringy kind of big country town. It feels very Australian, small pond and kind of a little bit daggy when you're watching it and particularly when you've got moments like Bert Newton getting up and he's a legend of Australian television but he's increasingly every year as we become more quote-unquote woke he seems more quote-unquote 
incredibly out of step, doesn't he? Yeah, a little bit. So, I don't, like, I don't know if you, if um, you guys have all seen the Logies or watched the Logies, but Bert Newton kind of stood up and gave a very. It was weird. It was just weird. The speech that he gave was really weird. It was and in the context of the Graham Kennedy Award, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was in the context of the Graham Kennedy Award, which is, I think, the best newcomer. Yeah. Um, and he got up and he sort of, you know, started telling a story. And then he told a story about how he knew Graham Kennedy and Graham Kennedy was a great mentor for new young people. And that if he was, if he had the door closed, then you knew there was mentoring going on. Door locked. Yeah. Door locked. And, and it was like, wh- I'm sorry, what? Like... Did you have you not been watching any news for the last I don't know year? Um, and then he made a comment, like a weird comment about Susan Carland, who's Wiley Ali's wife, about her converting for her husband just out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's like, are we? Why would you bring that up? Like that has nothing to do with anything. And, and she also didn't convert factually incorrect. Yeah, she converted <laughs> before she met him. I, yeah, when he started making that joke, and you could see. Both Waleed and Susan just kind of like with smiles, yeah. concrete pasted to their faces going, what is he going to do? Just got to keep smiling. Don't upset Bert. But then I just sort of thought, is is he, I'm imagining Bert at home the weekend before thinking, all right, I'll just write some material now. Things have changed. I need to have a bit more diversity in my act. I'll make a joke about Waleed. Like that was the yeah. only logical conclusion I could have of why he brought that. And it was so strange. Or also just Bert at home writing the speech thinking, <laughs> oh, things haven't changed a bit. <laughs> I'll just do what I did 10 years ago. It'll be completely fine. With full support of Paddy. He also referred to himself um, uh, with, I don't know if we can, can we say this word anymore? The other, other word for Ottoman, a kind of a gay slur, called, called himself a, a poof. Yeah. Like what? That was also. How does, how does that happen in 2018? That was also very weird. It was so weird. Yeah. And it, and it went down really weird in the room as well because you heard like people audibly kind of groan and a few people go, oh, that was a bit off colour and just unnecessary and no. It was a weird night for award ceremonies, I think, as well, because more so, I guess, we've seen in American award ceremonies, you've seen a big commitment to doing something to mark Me Too you know, whether it's wearing a certain colour dress or making very overt speeches, using acceptance speeches to um, stand up on the behalf of others who don't have that platform. And then there was this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. So Julia Morris, who is incredibly funny, uh, host of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, amazing comedian, and yeah. then this bit sort of just came out of nowhere. Dancers just sort of ran onto the stage in like golden bikinis and really t- tight golden hot pants. They were like chicks and dudes. And then you can't touch, can't touch it. Started playing, and it was just like, oh, oh, okay, this is about me too. And then like a few people just loosened their collar a little bit, like, <laughs> like oh. But also, I'm kind of in two minds about it. I'm gonna have to say because it was so Gold Coast, and it was. <laughs> Like, it was just the most Gold Coast thing that ever happened. And, you know, it was such an Australian sort of way to tackle it. And I guess I guess the message was still, like, aimed squarely at perpetrators. Like, don't fucking do that. Yeah. You know, um, in, albeit in a super weird way. I'll, I'll give her that. But I'm kind of like... Uh, was it the worst thing of the evening? Probably not. <laughs> but do you reckon that the, Australia doesn't have the ability to actually do anything earnest or with impact that we have to take the piss out of it? So even if it's something as big and global and can be quite obviously serious 
and intense as Me Too in this the whole conversations are around that, that we can't actually do something at an award ceremony that's earnest because we'll bring it down, that we have to take the piss out of ourselves? Is it the larrikinism that Australia is known for that made the way that we dealt with it at the Logies exist? I reckon. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of the vibe that I got. And I think that if you had dealt – the Logies – and this is the, the, the kind of difference that I found between the Logies and the Walkleys. And for those who don't know what the Walkleys are, they're the, you know, pinnacle of journalism awards. Mm. Like the Walkleys are very earnest. The Logies, not as earnest. Do people get pissed at the Walkleys though? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you find <laughs> Kerry O'Brien at both of those events as well. Yeah, yeah. Some people could kind of like do, do both, I suppose. But but so so at the Logies, there's kind of like this this vibe of like, yes, we take what we do very seriously, obviously, but that we sort of don't really. And I think if you were to tackle something really serious in a really serious kind of way, it totally would have brought the tone down. Yeah, because they had a warm up act and they had Dave Hughes doing you know the opening comedy bit, so it's set up as like a really kind of fun, funny, relaxed evening from the Silly, beginning. Silly, yeah. Silly, you know, um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just don't know if it would have worked to tackle it seriously. What you could have done is just not said anything. That's what I think. I think <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna treat it that way, and I mean maybe I'm doing too, being too earnest about it myself and saying that, but I was just like, oh god, oh this is embarrassing. The the best part of the Logies for me, and I think that he should win a Logie for his performance, were the voiceovers, and a lot of people were confused. <laughs> yes. That it was Tony Martin, of course, well-known member of the D generation of the late show, legend of Australian comedy, and man, he caned it. Welcome back to the 60th TV Week Logie Awards, live from the Gold Coast, Australia's newest cultural hub. This is the first award and first nomination for this brainchild of the Chaser team, which attacks this important issue with meticulous research, shocking statistics, and their trademark piss farting around. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, from the Commonwealth Games, yes, they're persisting with those of Better Homes and Gardens, Joanna Griggs, and from Australian Ninja Warrior, returning soon, Rebecca Matten. Please welcome from MCIS, Wilma Valderrama. I've been waiting to say that all night. And from The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise and The Bachelor Goes to Monte Carlo, Osher Ginsburg. <laughs> so good. And it's just every time in and out. And it was he did it in such an over-the-top voice that you thought it was a traditional voiceover artist and then you heard what he was saying. I was like, what the hell? I reckon he should have hammed it up more. Because I was like, there was a, a moment where I was like, is this real or is this not so real? So you could hear it in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, wait, hang on. Could I hear it in the room or was I listening to it outside of the room? Was were I you streaming the Logies while you were at the Logies? Well, <laughs> On your phone? No, actually I was because you can hear it because you can watch. I was actually watching the Logies while at the Logies. <laughs> <laughs> can I just say that? Because there's a massive screen in front of you. Well, in front of me because I was facing the screen rather than the stage. So it was just easy to just watch it on TV. <laughs> it's so good. And you've got all the angles, you know. Oh, my God. Because if you're just on the stage, if you're just watching the stage, you don't get all the angles. So I watched the Logies on TV <laughs> even though I was at the Logies. I would have loved it if at a certain point you just like slip off your heels, put some Ugg boots on and curl up in the corner of your table. Oh, man. I was on my phone a lot of the times as well. So And then when they did the big swooping shot where they'd come back from the ad break, <laughs> I'd, and I got into the immediate of people I had texting me going, get off your phone. <laughs> we can see you on your phone at the Logies. You're like, like, shit. Hi, 
Yeah. I'm actually going to put those um, Tony Martin bits in the show notes because they were someone wonderfully cut them all out. They cut out every other part of the logies except for the voiceovers, which was my highlight. So that was very, very wonderful indeed. A quick tip of the hap, uh, cap as well. In the absence of Miff, who does do our fashion updates, I saw in the flesh, in situ for the first time, a piece of fashion that we've only ever talked about on Bang On, something that Miff refers to as scaffolding jeans. Jess Glynn, who I'd not heard of before, but apparently, according to Richard Wilkins, is a Grammy award-winning artist, got on stage and performed a song in the most amazingly ugly pair of, well, they were the scaffolding jeans. They've pretty much taken out most of the denim except for the edges, the inside and the outside, but she'd actually fashioned them with some um, kind of PVC or leather and the inside. It was confusing. I had a lot of Bang Fam tweeting me when that happened, going, "What? Look, quick, all I guess." Yeah, it was a ma- it was a fashion red alert that went off when we saw them in in the flesh. Did yeah. they look as magical as they did on screen in the room? Oh, they looked even more magical in the room <laughs> than they did on screen. Yeah, she comes out, and I was like, "Oh, those pants! Why? Why? I don't know." <laughs> I really don't know. That's such a good question. I'm sure she had other pants. I don't know her. I've never heard of her, but I know that she has got other pants. That I know. I know. You make me crazy when you The big stories of the week uh, has been David Leinhelm, mm. who's a, a Liberal Democrat senator, federal senator, um, saying some shit to <laughs> another senator, Sarah Hanson Young. For those not not across it, it kind of starts when Sarah Hanson Young accuses David Leinhelm of basically saying to her, "You should stop shagging men, mm. Sarah." In the Senate, she goes over him to, over to him to confirm whether or not he said that. He did. She calls him a creep. He tells her to fuck off. She calls in the lawyers, basically. And then the story kind of blew up afterwards because he had refused to apologise for saying that, even though literally every single person in Australia was like, you should probably apologise, David. Mm. Uh, Refused to apologise and then kind of just doubled down on the comments saying, well, they weren't sexist abuse, they were just abuse, which I I don't know if that's the best argument to... Just a bit of argy-bargy. Yeah. I mean, it's like if someone accuses you of being a dickhead in the Senate. I'm not sure if, like, your your best best foot forward is to go, well, I wasn't abusing her because she was a woman. I was just abusing her. It's like, yes, okay. Also slightly problematic. Um, But so she's, she's called in lawyers. I think she might be suing him for defamation as well for those comments. But it's just like how, how he just doesn't see the fact that being called promiscuous or labels of promiscuity when they're attached to women are done so in a way to just damage women and to damage women's characters. And that's kind of just the way it's been since forever. You know, we're forever caught in this kind of dichotomy of like you're either the mother or the whore, right? Um, You know, you're either a good woman or a bad woman. And if there's any insinuation that perhaps you might be a bit of a whore, that's really slanderous to your character. Mm. Um, And so I think that's kind of like what, essentially happened um she came out afterwards too i thought it was interesting and awful that and basically said i've been dealing with these murmurs and these rumors and gossip in the halls of parliament for a long time and she's basically grinned and bared it and had to which many women would know that feeling of i 
I, I'm just going to deal with it and hope that it goes away. Mm. Uh, I don't want to make, you know, ruffle feathers. She's also dealing in, you know, in a very, again, another male-dominated environment. But she said this was the tipping point. And yeah. again, again, that thing of just calling into question a woman's character and undermining her in a very personal way, it's not undermining someone's political arguments or and it's their also, knowledge of the, you know, the, the thing that they're talking about. It's a very different sort of school of thought that he's in there. Yeah. And it's also you you can't undermine a man in the same way. Mm. So it's a very kind of gendered insult, yeah, you know, yeah. because if you suggest that a man has been having quite a lot of sex and that man is a hero or a star or, you know, whatever it is that you want to call him. But I think the reason why kind of people are a bit sort of maybe a little bit taken aback by it is because it just seems to have sprung out of nowhere. But as you said, it's probably something that's been happening to Sarah Hansen-Young and a number of other women in the parliament since forever. And now they've just had enough. Yeah. They're just like, fuck this. Which you is, exa- I mean, this is what's happening everywhere, isn't it? And yeah, a, lot, exactly. a lot of people on the other side who are used to people, you know, to women's just grinning and bearing it, are like, whoa, hang on, hang on a minute. It's like, yeah. well, no, we're sick of this. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, women can't, women can't take anything these days. You know, they can't take a compliment. They can't take like, oh, just a, a, a sneaky knee touch, a bit of a sneaky follow home. You know, they just can't take these things anymore. It's just like, mate, we have been taking those things since the dawn of all time. We just don't want to. Yeah. We just thoroughly do not want to anymore. Um, and I mean, Peter Credlin, uh, who used to be Tony Abbott's chief of staff, mm. you know, who's on the total opposite end of the political spectrum, came out, I think a few days after, sort of saying, I might disagree with Sarah, but I 100% back her here on what she's saying because the same thing happened to Peter Credlin too. Yeah. You know, there were rumours flying around about you know, her sex life or her private life or whatever it was. And it kind of, it cuts both ways. It sort of doesn't discriminate. It's really about, you know, attacking your character as a woman. Her, yeah, her place in the Abbott government and the rumours around her relationship with Abbott, Abbott were always there to undermine her. I saw that piece to camera and I totally agreed with the sentiments, but I f- took it with a very big grain of salt coming from her because she was by Abbott's side as his advisor and chief of staff. During the Gillard years. When Julia Gillard was being attacked very squarely as a witch, mm. you know, and ditch the witch and a bitch. And I was just yeah. like, okay, well, I mean, yeah, you can't sort of come out and say that when you've, like, there's been such a huge campaign against the first female prime minister of Australia. So I totally, like, the sentiment of what she said was absolutely spot on and I thought it was great that she came out and spoke. And P.S., this is probably the most that people have ever watched Sky News in the history of Sky <laughs> News. So there's that as well. So, they, I mean, they are aware of that yes. and they, you know, they created the problem in many ways with the follow-up conversations and then they are milking that they're savvy but I was glad she said it but I did take it with a big grain of salt given the background she's coming from I'm exactly the same I tweeted that exact same thing as well of oh, I wonder where she was when Tony Abbott was standing right in front of a sign that said Jul- July was Bob Brown's bitch you know like where was she then um but then I was like is that just my cynical black heart talking and then I'm I just realized no that's just me <laughs> The other thing is that David Lionhelm is in the Senate not because he got a majority of votes. It's kind of through a, a hiccup of, of process. Mm. And this is the most amount of attention he's had and he's just milking it. And I think that he's speaking to, sadly, and I don't want to be a downer, but I think he's speaking to a group of people who probably agree with him and he's harnessing that audience and building that audience and probably, you know, this is basically his election pledge to go to that niche, to that minority and say, I'm here for you. I'm representing in this PC world. 
I don't. This is the free speech that I, you're yeah. after. I don't doubt that for a second. I think that's exactly what's going on. So, Jan, friend, this is the part where Miff usually forgets to ask me what I'm banging on about. <gasps> Jan, what are you banging on about? <laughs> there it is. You freaked me out. <laughs> I threw you in the deep end. I'm glad you asked, Jan, friend. Uh, have you seen this little sketch that's been making its way around Facebook over the last few days? Tracy Allman, brilliant UK comedian, uh, UK American comedian, has put out um, this little sketch. It's very short, and it's basically her running a support group for people who are overly woke. <laughs> I have seen that, actually. <laughs> this, I have seen that. This, yeah. is, this is what it sounds like. All of the young people in this room are ruining their lives by being overly virtuous. That's actually a microaggression to say young people because it carries subconscious bias towards the elderly. Actually, what you're doing is denying agency to the elderly, which is arguably much worse. See, this, this is what I'm talking about. You see, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> so good. I think given that we've just been talking about political correctness and free speech, maybe it's a little bit of a jab at us as well. But this is like one of the funniest things I've seen on Facebook. I'll put it in the show notes if you haven't seen it already. Also, again, one of the funniest things to uh, look at is that it's clearly very tongue-in-cheek. It's poking fun at people who are highly virtuous and, and overly woke. Um, but then the responses are almost as much so like it just people start ripping into young woke people. So, oh, yeah, people are too politically correct. And it reminds me of whenever like I read a Batuta Advocate article about something and then people <laughs> it's like, it's satire. You don't, don't take it seriously, but they just get caught in this kind of bubble of, Oh, oh, huffy puffy. It's just, it's almost as funny, but it's, um, it's very funny and you can, um, I'll put that in the show notes for you to check out if you want a little two minutes or so of giggling about how overly woke we have become and life is not fun anymore. What are you banging on about this week? So I am banging on about a podcast that I am currently listening to. So this is, this is still very fresh. It's happening. I haven't finished it. Okay. How so, many episodes in are you? So I'm, I'm three episodes in. Okay. There's seven available, um, but I think there's more. It's ongoing. So I think there's more to come. Um, it's called The Teacher's Pet. Right. And it's, an, it's a podcast done by a journalist at The Australian called Headley Thomas. Okay. Who's looking into this cold case. of It's true crime. By the way, I should have specified that from the hot, from the hot genre in podcasting. The hottest of all genres, mm. some might say. Too hot. Um, but he looks into the the disappearance of a woman called Lynette Dawson in 1982. Um and he just sort of uncovers like all of this horrible stuff that was happening at the time, like her husband, two days after she went missing, her husband moves in a 16-year-old girl that he had been having sex with who was one of his students at his high school. Oh, yes, that is the correct reaction to have. Um, there are just so many questions, like so many glaring questions that you just think, how is this man, like, how was this not even properly investigated? What sort of era are we talking if it's a cold case? So 1982 right. it happened and it happened on Sydney's Northern Beaches. And there's all this kind of like complicated stuff of, you know, the police kind of um, you know, fumbling their way through the investigation. He was a very well-connected guy up there. So he m might or might not have quashed a lot of things. Nobody sought to ask, oh, where'd Lynn go? Because <laughs> she was here yesterday and now she's not here. Like everyone sort of felt, and he's got people on the record who say this, who just say, for so many years, I just 
I I knew that something had happened to her and I just never I never asked, I never went to the police, I never I never did anything because I thought, well what can I do? That's heartbreaking. It is so heartbreaking and there's two two kids involved who were I think 2 and 4 at the time when their mum went missing who would have just had their mum one day and then she was kind of gone the next day and not really had any closure. Um so it's it's an amazing piece of journalism in that it's just so well researched. And there's so many kind of facets and you can just tell the work that Headley is, has put into it, mm. you know, to kind of make it what it is. But I'm very, very curious as to how it unfolds. So seven episodes, you're halfway through The Teacher's Pet. I would recommend. Okay. Good bang on. Yeah. Jan Fran, what a great pleasure to have you in. Thank you so much. Our own little half hour Frant. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. A fat Frant. If you want to see, witness and experience and agree with even more wonderful opinions, Jan Fran does host the feed on SBS Viceland, puts up these wonderful Frants as well uh, on the SBS Viceland Facebook, of course, and her own uh, Facebook page at Jan Fran if you want to find her. And I just always love talking to you. So thank you for being part of the Bang Fam and sharing your hot takes. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bang Fam. And I just feel so honoured that I'm sitting next to someone who has made it into the best dress list in Harper's. Look, it's been been the highlight of my career. (laughs) This was all leading up to that moment. I'm going to retire. Good night, everybody. I'm done. I'm out. On. I understand that you're very busy and very important. Yeah, well, I'm on the harpist. I'm a best dressed. <laughs> Sorry. Did, did we note that? Did we get that down? Double J. <laughs>